another episode of Thick and Thin Hoops, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nitin. What's good, Nitin? What is up? For the first time in 16 years, Chris Paul is headed to the NBA Finals. The Suns, as much as I wanted them and expected them to fully choke tonight and take it back to Phoenix for Game 7, they stomped out the Clippers tonight, 130 to 103. Paul was out of control in the second half. I think he had 31 of his 41 in the second half. So this has been one of the weirdest playoffs I think we can remember for a lot of reasons. Um, the number one of which is Phoenix has had an amazingly fortuitous path to the finals, to say the least. But at the same time, you got to give them credit. They are truly the last men standing. And now they wait the winner of Milwaukee and Atlanta. So what were your thoughts? Now that you know one side of the bracket is complete. I'm happy for Chris Paul, honestly. Uh, we got the full Chris Paul experience today, funny enough. We, we had God. the, you know, when the game got tight, he kind of seized control, uh, took over. But we also saw the incessant flopping and the baiting. And, you know, I don't know what. He, he just glanced at Patrick Beverly at the end there, and Beverly went just full berserk on him. Dude, that was that was wild. That was definitely... That was like a 99-1 Beverly Paul fault. But for yeah. the other things, it was pretty much even. Yeah, not all of it was Chris Paul's fault, but he's always been the, you know, he's always towed this line of aggravating you, flopping, but at the same time, his play backed it up. And I didn't know he still had a game like this in him. Like 41 points uh, at 31 in the second half. Like he was hitting those threes. The first three he hit to start the 8-0 run, they left him wide open. And teams have been doing that this playoffs because of the shoulder. He he kind of hesitates shooting from long distance, but he was stroking them in the fourth quarter. And I was, at some point, you just got to hand it to him, man. This guy's deserved it. He's had such an illustrious career and some, you know, bad fortune in terms of injuries and, and some of the things that have happened to his team, but got to be happy for the guy for finally getting here. Yeah, dude, it was a far cry from those early Lakers games, this this playoffs where he couldn't even hit like a 16 footer without it looking like he was hoisting it, you know, from his hip basically. So the fact that he was just drilling threes in people's eyes at the end was crazy. At the end one, and like you said, he had the other one at the end. I honestly think I'm happy for him. Like, I've told you this. This is my stance on greatness is I hate for greatness to be diminished by, like, something that, you know, is a combination of bad luck, is a combination of, like, untimely performances, et cetera. But basically – when you have a player who is at the stature of a Chris Paul or the next guy on that list is a James Harden or Russell Westbrook, right? And the one thing holding them back from sort of like clinching true um, immortality is a championship. I'm going to be rooting for it um, because I think they're too good of players to not have that on their resume when they have literally everything else. And so I think Paul has deserved it for a long time. He's been right there for a long, long time. And He's had a lot of unlucky bounces. So the fact that he had a few go his way this year, I'm not going to fault him or the Suns for what they did. I mean, first team in NBA history to go from missing the playoffs for 10 straight years to making the finals. So like we talked about a couple weeks ago, there's no version of a team that was going to win from this Final Four that wouldn't have felt beyond overdue. So the fact that we get both the franchise and the superstar player in Chris Paul it is really fun. And, and I'll add... Booker, in a way, is overdue, too, because although he's young, this was his first playoff performance, which, you know, in year six is much of a is too much of a gap from the type of player he is. So it's cool that he balled out in the way he did, too. And everything clicked. And, you know, I think the Clippers ran out of gas tonight. You know what the parallel that I immediately drew was? What's that? The Suns and the the Tampa Bay Bucks. Right. So you have Brady and Chris Paul. They come to a team that hasn't made the playoffs and God knows how long. And a young team with promising talent, right? Devin Booker is your Mike Evans. Aiden is like your Devin White, <laughs> where you don't know how good he really is. And then Brady comes Until in and Brady elevates starts everyone. throwing him passes at the linebacker position. Yeah, you know, Cam campaign is Sean Murphy Bunting, who looked like he was not going to be anything, and and now he's like a stud. So anyway, that, I, the parallels are you you got a guy like Chris Paul who comes in, transforms a franchise who was a laughing stock. I mean, the Suns were always mentioned with the Kings. These last several years, uh, a lot of high draft picks, but could never really turn into anything. And so uh, 
you got to give a lot of respect to Paul Manning. It's one thing to to go to a team and take them to the finals. It's another to go to a, a downtrodden franchise and and, compl- and with a young team with no other vets. I mean, you've got Jay Crowder and some of these other guys, but really taking that team, transforming that culture, and then taking them to the finals. And uh, no matter what about the LeBron and AD being injured, no matter how much we talk about injuries, you you got to put respect on the fact that they went out there and grabbed these series by the throat. They stomped on the Nuggets. Yeah, I know Jamal Murray, but they swept. They came back. They had an opportunity to clinch tonight in game six. They did it. They're not going to back their way into the finals like some other teams, <clears throat> the Bucs. But um, so you got to have respect for that. Yeah, it's, and it's funny that you made the Tampa Bay Bucks comparison because tonight I saw some signs in the crowd comparing campaign and Sean Murphy bunting. I thought that was, <laughs> it was quite apt and, you know, interesting that you mentioned it right after that. But yeah, look, I mean, even looking at a game like tonight, everyone watched them lose game five at home in a game everyone expected them to win going into it. No Zubac. It was kind of all lined up there for them to take it and close us out. And the fact that they lost all of the baggage with CP3 comes with every time he steps on the floor prior to doing something, right? And so with Chris Paul, you're looking at nobody has probably played with more pressure in that moment in terms of like his age and seniority in the league like by year 16 of a first ballot hall of fame career most people have really nothing else to prove right they've done it all or for or at that stage of their career they're either on the decline where you know they can't be expected to do much more um you know at that point like barkley for example he was kind of in those late years with houston where it's like okay we're not really thinking he's going to win a title he missed his window but with paul to still have that be a very not only potential outcome the way the playoffs broke out a very likely outcome yep. and then for them to lose game five i was like dude i texted you i was like i fully expect clippers to win i fully expect paul to choke this isn't going to happen and there was a lot of times in this game i felt like that was going to happen right like the clippers the suns would go up like six or eight clippers would hit a couple threes get back to it paul george still hadn't gotten going for a long time and it started to feel like exactly what happened in game five, where he had a quiet first half, then goes for 20 in the third and, you know, puts his foot on their throat. Instead, it was exactly the other way around, where Paul had 30 in the first second half, takes over completely down the stretch. I think when they had cut it to seven, I, I want to say it was 89-82. Yep. Um, yep. Steve Ballmer. Did you see Steve Ballmer, by <laughs> the way? Just groping the guys next to him. Can we talk about that? Like. Who are those people? Are those his friends, his kids, like business partners? Like what is going on with that celebration and his relationship with these dudes that he can just be like smashing their nuts? Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. He was like slapping their knees, but then he was also rubbing his hands upwards <laughs> in this weird motion. And then he just collapses onto his chair. It was. That's I, assault, I was to, brother. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think there were his children or right? there were like some grown men. Um, I mean, he's 60. Who knows? But yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I think but. they might have been like Microsoft employees that cashed out early with him and <laughs> have been forced into this decades-long friendship ever since. Um, anyway, nonetheless, he was in, you know, having a con- conniption, and I think Paul comes back in the game, hits a three, gets another bucket, assist, on and on. They're suddenly back up 15, and then it was insurmountable. Yeah. Um, so he made a lot of timely plays, which... I thought there was a bit of poetry uh, in that the last game he played really well was the closeout game in Denver where he also had, you know, he had 37, same type of shot making, uh, and then he gets COVID. So I thought it was like a cool bit of symmetry there and how he was able to get through both series and on to, to bigger and better things. Yeah, he showed up when it matters, and that's all we can ask for from guys like that. And, you know, to the I want to talk about the Clippers a little bit too because the Clippers, I thought, um, you know, it's always nice when you leave a series not being disappointed in either team. And there's no reason, obviously the Suns won, and there's no reason to be disappointed in the Clippers because they, given that Kawhi was out, and, and Paul George, look, he's inconsistent. We know this. The problem with Paul George is he he's not going to give you, uh, when he gives you a bad game, it can be really bad. Either he's yeah. super passive or he has a terrible shooting night. And a team like the Clippers, who without Kawhi, you can't suffer a bad game. You need a, a mediocre game from him to even have a chance. Yep. And you can only trust Marcus Morris to keep hitting those shots and, and Reggie Jackson to stay hot. And I, I really do think that they got the most out of out of that team, though. And Ty Lue's done a great job. Um, 
They were fighting. You know, they got it down to 89-82. It looked like they had a chance, and Chris Paul just played an absolute amazing game. But Look, you can tell. I, we talked I mean, about it. Paul George was gassed. Like, he he looked visibly just exhausted for much of Yeah, I mean, let's be honest Ron, with one thing. They were playing DeMarcus Cousins in 2021 in an elimination game in the Western Conference Finals. Like, that's yeah. how – that's where we had gotten to with their roster. Yep. yep. No Ibaka, no Zubats, obviously no Kawhi. For them to even have been in this position is kind of mesmerizing. Um, and they benched Rondo, so it's like – Yeah, they benched Rondo. They got guys out of hand, which is ironic because the Lou Will Clippers thing was not working, right? We saw yep. that for years and years. Now he's going nuts in Atlanta. We'll talk about that series in a second, but like – it's funny because then they couldn't even play Rondo down the stretch. He played in the Dallas series. He played a little bit in the Utah series. He's a, you know, I don't even know if he got any run in this series. I'd have to go back and look, but they started going with Beverly and, and, and of course Jackson became like one of the six best players in the league. So obviously rode him down the stretch. I just, I mean, I don't know what else you can expect. Like you're in that locker room for the Clippers. You're sort of just like, you're not happy. You lost your professionals, your competitors. You're just like, there might be even some relief, man, in a weird oh, way. Yeah. hundred percent. These guys yeah. are exhausted. Like George played what George played 41 minutes tonight. He was already the leader by 130 minutes. Was it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Over Booker. Minutes. So they played about the same. So that's a wash. 130 minutes is like, that's three not and a half That's three more games. Yeah. It's at least three and a half more games. Of playoff intensity, which is like five games of real, yeah. you know, and like, and they have to play every other day. So he hasn't had more than a day's rest in over a month. And part of that is their fault, but a lot of that is they've had tough competition. Like I was thinking everybody's calling this playoffs a sham and it's like a asterisk and want to get your thoughts on that. But if there's one team who can claim that they had the truest path that they could have had, it's actually funnily enough, the Clippers, you know, the Mavericks mm-hmm. were fully healthy. The jazz were That's fully true. healthy and the Suns were fully healthy. So until they the got Clippers to the didn't final, play the jazz. Oh, yeah, sorry. Of course they did. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah, seen yeah. Suns. yeah Clippers. So, you know, I, and when I say fully healthy, I know Conley missed some time here and there, but you, the top guys were there. Yep. And so it's funny because they are the one teams that were asterisk proof in a way. Yeah, they're, I mean, I was rooting for them down the stretch. Knowing if Kawhi was not coming back, I wanted the Clippers to to win because they they definitely had the hardest road. I don't think there's any doubt about that after seeing how the other rounds are shaken out. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Kawhi not being there for eight games. You know, George is also not used to carrying that burden. He hasn't been in a long, long time. He's yeah, had uh, Russ. Post-injury, he's never been that guy. Yeah, he had Russ and then he had Kawhi. Um. That's not his fault. That's just the way the teams were built. Uh, and even though he was the best player in OKC, he could always turn it over to a guy who's, you know, not going to be shy about taking yeah. a shot. So it, it's tough to turn on the switch. A lot of people do the LeBron comparison. LeBron, I mean, it's a diff- first of all, they're different players. They're different. You know, you you can't say, hey, Paul George, why, why don't you do what just LeBron did? Oh, oh, cool. Well, he's one of the two greatest players I've ever played the game. So I'm sorry if I'm not like kind of measuring up there. But then the second piece is LeBron's teams are all built to be LeBron-centric. And if you don't play a certain style the whole season, then you're asked to just suddenly switch it up. It can only go so far. And that's where you get some of that inconsistency. I think one of the things Paul George hasn't mastered is his control of his own pace and kind of the effort level every night. Um, like he goes through these periods of not being aggressive enough to very aggressive. And I think he just needs to control like that, that's one thing, I mean, not to compare him to LeBron, but that's one thing LeBron's really good at. And, and I think he just needs to learn how to uh, channel that a little bit better to get the most out of himself. Because he is a guy who's, I mean, capable of dropping 30 every night. Um, but he seems like he picks and chooses his spot sometimes. You know, you know who kind of reminds me of the next Paul George from that temperament standpoint? Like oh. a combination of like elite skill set, but maybe not fully engaged all the time. Can you guess? Ingram? Brandon no, Ingram? Ingram's not there yet. I mean, he is that type as well, but I don't consider him to be like a superstar of this caliber. Tobias Harris? <laughs> Seth Curry. No, Jason Tatum. Okay, yeah. And I think I think you look at Tatum, and it's very similar to Paul, Paul George where 
Tatum has gotten better, and he's still so young, but he's gotten better at giving you the consistent 25 a night. But when he's like 6 for 22, there's not a lot else happening in his game. Yep, yep, yep. And first of all, the really great guys like Kawhi, KD, Giannis, LeBron, they don't ever go 6 for 22 but because they don't rely on only jump shooting. But that's that's kind of the point, right, is go get to the line. You know, go figure out a way to get fast break buckets. Go, you know, defend, get steals. Like, George can do all of those things, but sometimes it feels so much driven by how he's shooting, it dictates everything else he does. Yep. And so when he puts it all together, like in game five, when he has like 41, 13 rebounds, six assists, a couple steals, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, my God. And then you look tonight, and I know I'm not going to crush him. Like, he more than exonerated himself, but this is something we've seen from him time and again. Yeah, and, and if Kawhi's there, maybe it's not as big of a problem, but without Kawhi, you can't afford to have that, right? So it was only a matter of time before the Clippers lost because it, without so Kawhi. So what is Kawhi's deal, man? I don't know, man. I, I Kawhi, you know how I feel about Kawhi. And um, now there's also rumblings he may leave. I know he's got the – I don't know where because he cares about L.A. He cares about having kind of everything catered to him. But Do you think he actually – like? I don't think that that's going to happen. I, I, I don't think those so rumblings. I don't, think so I, I don't know. Well, I mean, Miami. No, I don't actually think he's going to leave. Um, I think he's happy. And, and, and I mean, from a team standpoint, I don't think he can be that frustrated because the team itself really, you know, it's not like last year where there was a lot of turmoil in the locker room. You heard all these stories. None of the guys really believe in each other. I don't know if they all yeah. like each other, but you can tell that this team is a lot. They got a lot more heart. Um, and so there's no reason, right? Kawhi's still in LA. He's still got a good team. He's still got Balmer's pockets. Like, there's no reason for him to leave. The man's not even in LA. He lives in San Diego. Just or San like Diego. He wants yeah, he's to. got his chopper or whatever that takes him. The, the other team. thing is about the roster is specifically Paul George. If he's like, why the hell did I hitch my wagon to this guy? You know, after last year, he doesn't have to feel that way anymore. No. Absolutely. Yeah. So they'll Will be he fine. Go to Dallas? Ugh, no. He wouldn't. He, I mean, he turned down playing with LeBron. Luca is the same type of force. He needs to be the alpha. I don't think he can go yeah. and listen to Luca bitch at him. Like, <laughs> could he go to New York, the Nets? No, no, he wouldn't want to. I'm, wanna, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you go to the Knicks, John Wall, bring him in. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I'm sure the first guy he calls is is John Wall to recruit. No, actually, they've been in talks to get you know. Not in talks, but in rumors, let's say, for Damian Lillard. Let's say you give up the farm for Lillard. You sign, um, you know, you sign Kawhi. Suddenly you have a Lillard, Kawhi, Randall, big three. What farm are you giving up to get Lillard? What R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett. Oh, the Knicks. The Knicks. Emmanuel Quickly. That's such a Obi Toppin. Mitchell Robinson. Why? It's not that. I mean, that's. And you throw in a boatload of picks. Listen, if the Rockets could trade Harden. To, basically, they said, we don't want any players. We literally just care about picks. That means, and he's 31, similar to age to, to Lillard. Granted, he asked out and was actively quitting on the team, so they had a little bit less leverage. But if they wanted to do right by Lillard and take 95% of the offer they could have gotten otherwise, the Knicks, especially if they throw in some of those Dallas picks they're getting with the Porzingis deal, that suddenly becomes something that's like not terrible. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. You think Dame gets traded? I don't think so. I think they're going to keep him. I think he gets traded. When there's smoke, there's fire. He won't get traded. What do you, I mean, we keep talking about blowing it up. Guess what? Trading Robert Covington to his eighth team in four years is not going to be the answer. Trade CJ. Uh, there, there's stuff you could do, man. Uh, they're not going to trade him. He Unless has they four got years left on his deal, so if he asked out and they obliged, we'd really be breaking new I know. Grounds. Like, what's the rush? What's the rush with him? The, the rush is if, gonna... yeah, the rush is if they're like, this isn't happening, and we have to maximize value for him. He's already. I 31. guarantee you, a year down the line is not going to change people's opinion on Dame. I mean, the injury possibility is always there, but his value is going to be still high. Some team's going to overpay to get Dame. All right. Well, you're probably right, but. We always talked about the unhappy superstars. For some reason, we never mentioned Dame as a potential. 
And now yeah, he was, Dave was he, always reminding you of how loyal he is. So you never thought that he would, uh, you know, it, I know my God, <laughs> but now we have the coaching thing, right? With the, with the Chauncey Bills. Yeah, look, please. I don't blame Dame if he wants to leave. I totally don't blame, but if he makes a hissy fit and like the way he leaves, I think will matter. Cause I'm like, dude, then you shouldn't have been talking all this game about loyalty and this and that. If you want to leave and you say, Hey, look, I want to go somewhere where I compete, but I'm willing to wait, let them find a good deal. I'll still play hard. Fine. Well, do you put a um, like a timeline on what it means to be loyal? Like, for example, when Kevin Garnett finally asked for a trade out of Minnesota, was he not loyal for for twelve years? I think he's loyal. I think that's still loyal. Like, I'm not one of these like people who thinks that unless you're Dirk Nowitzki or Kobe Bryant, you're not loyal. If you've played eight years for a team, seven eight years, I think that's good enough. And then, but it's also about how you leave. Like, what are the terms you left on, right? Um, and well, the real question of, is: Is it better to leave as a free agent, where it's like your own volition, versus giving the team a heads up so they can actually get something in return for you? I think it's better to leave as a free agent. That's because that's what LeBron did. No, it's not because what. It's because okay, look, yeah, that you might help the team out if you get traded earlier, but it, it, like you can't worry about helping your team. Like that's not you got to do what's best for you. So like, that's look, not loyal. Carmelo, what Carmelo did made no sense, where he could have signed with the Knicks, but instead he forced a trade to the Knicks. He's an idiot. He 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 essentially like torpedoed his own career by doing that. Yeah. So so that I if there's if you're one of the same team, if you know you can sign with the same team versus getting traded to them, uh you do your team a solid by uh, or you do I mean your future team, you want them to keep the players, right? So you just sign there. Um Yeah, I mean the problem is there's so much that can happen between when you have communicated that you want out of a situation to when you're actually signing a free agent contract. And then once you once something happens that isn't part of your plan, there's a certain inertia. The prime example is Paul George getting traded to Oklahoma City when everyone and their mom knew he wanted to sign in L.A. He's a free agent the next year. Russ Westbrook like starts yelling at him for like eight months in a row, and then he he's like, "All right, I'm back. Sorry, I I can't believe I even thought of anything else. I'm gonna." They got him drunk at that Oklahoma. one party in the offseason. Yeah. They just forced him to sign it when he's blacked out. Just Literally, like sign the Russ, contract here. Russ started the party. Actually, this is true. He started the party before free agency began. So he actually was like given a two to three hour heads up where, dude, you think Sam Presti wasn't partying there? <laughs> of course he was. It's all his friends, right? So there's no tampering. By the time anybody could talk to him, Paul George is six shots deep, got some <laughs> other stripper pre- pregnant, and he signed this max deal. So, I mean, life is good. Uh, well, yeah, um, I, I don't know, man. I, the Dame thing, I, I don't I think it's. I think it's it'll blow over. I think he'll stay at least for another year, and they'll figure it out. All right. Well, back to the Clippers for a second. Uh, the Suns, excuse me, that series. I wanted to talk DeAndre Ayton. He's been getting a lot of um, a lot of um, juice in his. I don't know in like just the general perception of him. If you yep. listen to Simmons and Rosillo, like I imagine, oh, is highly overlapped with the listeners to this <sighs> this podcast. They're going to have him in their top 10 by the time next Sunday rolls around. So he's just going to keep going up. I thought he was obviously amazing tonight. He did not do a good job taking advantage of their size mismatch in game five. But, you know, he's a young player. Do you see this as like, is he just, I know he's been great, but part of me wonders because being great isn't just about having good playoff runs or being a good playoff player. It's really about bringing it all 82 games. Right when you think of a star, think about the star big men in this league: Davis, Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, right? Even Gobert. Those guys are playoff performers and regular season performers. Do you think Aiton has that in him, or is he having a nice two month stretch and he's gonna come back to being a very very good but role player? So it's it's complicated. I think he has taken leaps in his game that mean something. I don't think this is a fluky stretch. But that being said, I don't see the ceiling yet, unless he takes massive leaps. Like the the version of the player even that he is in the playoffs, I still don't see at the same level as an Embiid or even a Cat. He's better. I mean, you can say he's better than Cat because defensively, but mm-hmm. will he get the offensive game a Cat has? Right. I don't think so. I think he's still very d- dependent on 
who's feeding him the ball, the kind of positions he gets put, put into in a game. And I think to be a truly elite big, you really need to be able to kind of create and dominate on your own. And I don't see it yet with him. I don't, he could definitely get there, but I don't think he's reached that level of like, oh, he's a top five center in the game. Well, maybe top five, but um, I'm not putting I mean, him on my all NBA ballot though. anytime soon. Well, it's interesting, right? Because you think about, you brought up Cat. You don't think Cat would look like a fucking menace running pick and rolls and pick and pops all day with Chris Paul? He would literally rewrite all of the history books with how efficient and productive he'd be offensively, right? Yeah. So this is where we fail to contextualize, guys. It's like Aiton has been amazing. And like you said, he's still going to be better defensively than Cat. But can he become sort of an all-star level player? Gobert has figured out a way to become that just truly by his defense. And I think, like we talked about last week, I think Gobert is is sort of done being talked about in that light. Aiton's a better offensive player. He's a more versatile defensive player. So I think he he has a higher ceiling. But even someone like Gobert, who gets criticized a lot, is a three-time DPOY, multiple-time All-Star, multiple-time All-NBA. And Aiton just finishing up year three, so he has a ton of room to grow. But I am curious to see, like, what's – can he do – can he be a 22 and 11? I don't know. Maybe he would if he got enough touches, right? Maybe if they ran the offense through him the way Philly does with Embiid, he would get those type of numbers. And then but this can conversation. You? Can you? I still, I'm not 100% sure you can. He's got more low post game than I thought. Um, he's got good touch. He's got good footwork, but that's not, he doesn't have a lot of go to moves, I feel like. Um, yeah. But if you look at his first two years, right? If you looked at his first two years in the league, he was averaging like 17 and 10. So that's that's something. During the regular season, I thought he took a step back. Not a step back, but like his usage probably, I haven't looked at the numbers, his usage probably dropped this year on the offensive end. But he played smarter, more efficiently, and very good on the defensive end. Right. Um, Right. The thing with Aiden, though, is like if he's going to be a good player, he's going to be an all-star. Like, I don't think – I'm not saying he won't be an all-star. Is he going to be Embiid, Anthony Davis, uh, Giannis? Like, is he going to ever reach that level? I just don't see it unless he makes huge leaps. So when we're – like, I would pump the brakes on saying this guy is one of the next great, great bigs. It, it's still too early. Yeah, but it, it is funny because – Winning makes winning cures all. It's cured every single, you know, negative impression people have had on Devin Booker, and it's doing the same for DeAndre Ayton. And in a funny way, it's doing the same for Chris Paul because they had a lot of negative impressions on what he did in the playoffs. So just making the finals has kind of vindicated these guys for a long, long time. And maybe this is the time to switch to the other series. But I mean, Phoenix has to be favored uh, versus whoever they play. I would imagine. Milwaukee and Atlanta are now tied 2-2. Somehow, someway, because Giannis is Stretch Armstrong, he did not suffer any ligament damage on that hyperextension, but he's doubtful for Game 5. I would be surprised if we see him again in this series. And so that, you know, we'll see. He could come back. There's no ligament damage. It's just a hyperextension. This reminds me of Mike Evans when he hyperextended his, his knee, right, and he came back and played a week and a half later. Um, or a week later. It's different, though, as an NFL player. A, you can just get the 40. cortisone shot. They numb the whole thing. B, there's no human rights amongst the players. And C, Evans just runs the nine route over and over again. He's not <laughs> doing anything that requires him to have, like, sort of lateral mobility. No, yeah. I mean, you're right. He had, like, five days off. Five days off means you miss, like, two or three games in the NBA. So, um, I, I was – dude, I feel bad for Giannis. Like, I, I'm going to – Giannis has been playing well. He's been playing hard, but I cannot. This Bucks team, I don't. I don't want them anywhere on my TV. They are. You know, I talked about. <laughs> oh, coming out of a series, it's nice to have two teams that are not that don't disappoint you. The Bucks disappoint me every series, even when they win. And if they win this series, they're still disappointing. I hate this team. Bud needs to get fired. Giannis is not. He's still not the guy he can be. He still has a lot of serious flaws in this game. This team needs to just. Take an L already. I can't believe they're getting so lucky playing the Bucks, the the Brooklyn Nets who are totally hobbled. 
uh, they beat up on Miami and everyone wants to freaking give them, you know, high fives all over because the Miami beat them last year. And now they're going to play the Suns. And if they beat the Suns, what? This is the coronation of Giannis. This is bullshit. I hate this team. They need to lose. How are you going to give the Suns all the credit in the world and then say if the Bucks were to beat them, that doesn't validate their season? Ultimately, I, tell, I joked about this last week. They're going to be the first team that wins a title where they everybody is like, man, this guy, these guys are sorry as hell. Uh, <laughs> while they're literally holding the championship. And on our text thread with Kush and me, us, me, you, and Kush, you refused, even after their dominant Game 3 win, you refused to give them credit. You were temporarily vindicated in Game 4 because even pre-Giannis injury, they looked bad and they were going to lose that game for sure. Um, what mean, is it about this team that drives you so insane? What is it about Giannis? It's, is it everything I'll tell you what about? it is. This team, they can't... like Any good team, right? And the Suns didn't cl- clinch when they're up 3-1. When it's 3-2, and you know they... S- smell blood in the water, sense blood in the water, whatever, they shut down the Clippers. Any good team or team that's taken seriously will put their foot down when they have an opportunity. You get the golden opportunity of Trey Young being out. Um, you got Kevin Herter, Bogdanovich, Lou Williams. I mean, this is a starting lineup <laughs> in an Western, Eastern Conference Finals game. Lou Williams. Hey, who, that is should be Olympian Kevin Herter to you. <laughs> <laughs> Lou Williams was jettisoned off the Clippers. Bogdanovich, who the Kings didn't even, you know, and we can blame the Kings for all that, but uh, the Kings didn't even re-sign. And what, you want me to be impressed by the fact that Giannis, even before he got injured, fell into another lackadaisical game. It, the, the same thing we see with the Bucks playing them over and over again. Every time we think they figured it out, they figured out a formula that works. Giannis has gotten more aggressive. They freeze up, and then he's missing free throws. And then, you know, Middleton maybe is not making the same shots he was the game before. And Drew Holiday's weirdly passive. And this team is just so up and down. And it's like any other year, any other year, if they played a decently good team, they would lose. But they're getting lucky game after game with the circumstances around these series. Well, now they may not be getting lucky with Giannis being out. He's he's not going to play game five. I'm he's doubtful i would be shocked if he played um so at the very least he's going to be gone then and but to your point you know i don't even think the problem is Giannis, right because if you look at what Giannis has done in the playoffs like at some point we have to be like look he's got flaws with shot creation and like late game isolation scoring and all those kinds of things but in the playoffs he's averaging 28 and 13 with five assists shooting 55 percent from the field so at some point we have to be like, holy shit, those are truly Shaq numbers. And he's done that for the entire playoffs. The bigger problem is everyone else is so Jekyll and Hyde. And I think we were like in a Eric Bledsoe mirage for most of the season because Drew Holiday was just so much better than Eric Bledsoe was that we were like, holy shit, this is going to do everything that changed. You know, this is going to change the entire crux of the organization. Meanwhile, Drew Holiday has just signed his second max extension. He's made one all-star team in his career. Um, Although he's a great defensive player, we know perimeter defense is not so valuable that it can just erase, you know, struggling on the offensive end. Uh, Case in point one, Benjamin Simmons. Um, And in the playoffs right now, he's shooting 41% from the field, 29% from three, and 67% from the line. Those are Russell Westbrook numbers. So without Russell Westbrook production. Um, and I think he and Middleton have been more to blame than Giannis because as great as Middleton looked in game three, he was basically not good in one, two, or four at this point. So if your second best player and your alleged closer is like a coin flip to, to be worth a shit on a given night, I got to take that past Giannis and say, hey, it's the rest of the roster that, and that really needs to kind of get itself together. Giannis has played well. That's not the the issue. The issue is that you're when you have a player that good, that dominant, any other top ten guy in the NBA is not going to be invincible in the last invisible at the last few minutes of a game. They don't want him to even get the ball because he can't hit free throws. He is literally setting screens out there. He's not contributing anything to an offensive possession. So all of a sudden, you become a net zero in a tight close game. That matters because guess what? You're going to be in tight close games, like you said. Middleton and Holiday aren't. Yeah, like your problem becomes star. Middleton's now your best player with three yeah, minutes left. Yeah, and, and any other star, right? Like, you can't have that happen. If you're Kawhi, if you're LeBron, if you're Luka, if you're uh, 
Embiid, if, right? And so the only thing I have a problem with is Giannis needs to develop something that they can that makes him even if it's just free throw shooting that allows him to get the ball in that situation because it becomes too easy to defend the Bucks, too easy to defend Middleton. He doesn't. He only has so much in his bag in the end of a close game. And yeah. I think that's going to bite them. And it's going to bite them against good teams. They've gotten fortunate with not having to really beat. They just need to win this teams. year. And then it doesn't matter anymore. They could be like the worst champion of all time. As long as they win this year, they could be like, fuck them. We're champions. Yeah. And, but they're, they might not now. Now you have to look at it and you say, okay, maybe Atlanta's favored. And, and I, I Atlanta, still think they should win. Cause I mean, even look, without, even without Giannis. Yeah. Cause I mean, Atlanta may not have Trey. Um, Trey has upgraded to questionable, but even still, they've played well when he's been out. They did it early in the regular season. Bogey became kind of like the main primary ball handler. He flourishes in that role. I know his knees is jacked right now, so it's even worse than just Trey being hurt, right? Like Bogey's hurt and not playing well. The fact that this is even a serious and they don't have they don't have DeAndre Hunter. They don't have Cam Reddish, right? Yeah, he just came back, but he's DMP. He just came, yeah. But but like, look, the Clippers, for example, you lose Kawhi, they go into Utah, win two straight games. I don't even expect them to win one. They do it. Teams can do it. You, I expect Milwaukee to go in and they should win tomorrow. Um, no Giannis. This is the Hawks. This isn't the Sixers. This isn't the Nets. This is the Atlanta Yeah, don't Hawks. talk to me about this fucking Sixers. I'm sick of that goddamn team. Fine, but but like even at least the Sixers. No, I get your point because they have yeah. Embiid and he's a you know first team All NBA kind yeah. of guy. So I don't know, man. Like, look, there's no asterisk. You win a title, you win a title. Giannis wins. He put up great numbers this postseason. I'm sure he'll deserve it. It's but don't tell me you're not left with a bad taste in your mouth. Don't tell me that even if they win the title, has a coach ever been still thought of as maybe you know he's not the right guy? Like, what team have you ever had those questions about after they won a final? No, I mean, look. They're still doing shit like playing Brook Lopez in the drop coverage that everyone's talking about while Trey hits like a million floaters over him. They're still running that same type of defense. And the thing is, they're switching more than they have in years past. They're yep. trying out more things than they have in years past. So I'll give them credit for that. But is Brook Lopez so good that you're really going to go down with that ship? No. You know, when Utah was getting smoked with Rudy Gobert uh, versus the Clippers because they went small and just shooting threes. It was basically five out. Everyone was like, this is insane. Why don't they take Gobert off? And it it's not that easy. This isn't 2K. You just press down on the D-pad and like swap in a guy, right? No. There are, there are chemistry issues at play. There are personalities at play. You just gave Rudy Gobert $200 million He's a three-time defensive player of the year, including this year. If you're going to f- trust him who, as a star to figure it out, I don't have a problem with that. But Lopez is not in that rarefied air for the Bucks, And so the fact that Bud is still unable to kind of see what's plaguing them right in front of them, that's worrisome. Now, the issue for them is one of their options is Giannis at the five, and that's no longer an option. Yep. So I'm interested to see what they do, especially if Trey does come back. Because um, they're going to be in that same predicament, you know, assuming his ankle feels better. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Portis, I think, I mean, Bobby Portis has done great, but he, I, he just makes more sense. Like, I mean, look, Lopez had a good game, too. He played really well. But I, I still don't know what he's, he's not giving you elite rim protection, right? I know he's a decent rim defender. He's not hitting the, the volume of threes he has in the past. And it's just it's just much easier to scheme against Lopez, and I think they're better off just committing more to Portis. Um, but and, and maybe at Giannis <laughs> at the five. Yeah, say that statement again to yourself, and ask you ask yourself why it's Giannis's fault. They just need to I'm, commit more to Bobby them. Portis. It's not all Giannis's fault. I think that there's a bigger problem with the Bucks in general. But my my point, my frustration with the Bucks is not that I don't think it's their roster that's not talented. Any team in the NBA, you can go down the line and say, oh, their second and third guys are inconsistent. Guess what? Second and third guys are always inconsistent. If they weren't consistent, they'd all be number one guys. Chris Middleton looks like Paul George on a really good night, and then he looks like crap another night. And that's what you get from number two and number three guys for the most part. 
Well, the irony right. is he looks like Paul George in both of those instances. Yeah, or yeah, sorry, Paul George <laughs> maybe is not the right comp. Um, so I, I don't buy this excuse that, oh, Holiday, Middleton, they're not good enough. I think it's a collective failure on everyone. I think those guys are not consistent. I think Giannis is still needs to develop some tools, and then Bud is a horrendous coach. And so when you have all those problems, it frustrates me to see this team continually get rewarded. If you were the if the Kings had fired Luke Walton, right, like they should have, would you have um, been open to hiring Bud if he was available? In a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? We're just trying to get to the playoffs. And Bud is like the greatest regular season coach. That's how I feel. Their problems are our like luxuries. Yeah. Yeah, like Doc Rivers, like Bud, like these are all guys who I'm not we're not too good for them. But yeah, they have serious think. flaws if you're a contender. You know what's funny is the second they get you to that level, you hate them. Yeah. The Bucks were not in that position as a franchise either, right? When was the last time the Bucks were really good? With the Ray Allen? Yeah, and Glenn so Robinson, the, Ray Allen. Yeah, that was the last time they made the conference finals before this Giannis run. And so now that they are here, every Bucks fan's like, fuck this guy. But it's like three years of bliss, just like it was for him in Atlanta. It was, but but like when you're at that point like the expectations shift and your window's only so big right in the nba you have a star it's easy for them to get disgruntled you're not going to compete for 10 years in a row mm-hmm. um i mean it's more likely than other sports maybe but like it's especially in today's nba not even comparing it to 10 years 20 years ago you have a small window man and the bucks are so good every year you have the league mvp every year you can't be flaming out like this they have a they have a surprising amount of consistency, all things considered, for a team that's not been successful. And when I say not successful, I mean roster finals. consistency. Yeah. Like yeah. it is really surprising actually how much they've been able to keep this band together. Um and how much they're gonna have moving forward when you think about the extensions that are in place for all three of those guys. Um and Lopez actually has a sizable extension. So if they don't but- make it out of the series, Bud's gone, I think. I told you, he had to win this one, too. It wasn't just the Brooklyn yep. one. I think he has to win this one, too. 100%. Otherwise, he's probably gone. And they're going to make fringe changes, but how do you make your second and third players better? I don't know that but, they have an answer But see, for that. Nathan, you don't need to. Like, Giannis just needs to improve he's not gonna, Dude, he's not going to turn into Kawhi, you know, Dribble, dribble, pull up, catch. Like he doesn't assume- need to. He needs some. He just needs to add something to his game. And don't say he can't. Like all, all these guys can improve their game. Giannis still has he, a lot of room for improvement. I'm not saying he can't. He's 26. He's going to get better. But I don't know that he's going to become like an 80 percent free throw shooter ever in his career. No, maybe not. But get a couple more moves that are, are consistent. You know, improve your free throw percentage of six percent. I don't know. Like do a little bit, man. And. It's going to have to come from his improvement. It's going to have to come from the coaching. And this team will be good. This team is good. It's a so really good team. Let's compare him to Shaq, right? Because that's the, what the numbers always seem to indicate. You know, let's assume he's a modern center, a little different of a player, but same idea. How can he, I know Shaq wasn't the hardest worker and Giannis is, is. but so, so that's what I always think about, right? Like Ben Simmons has all this baggage about the shooting thing. But the biggest sort of red flag is he's known as someone who doesn't like work that hard. Right. Actually, maybe for good reason. I think we're the idiots. This guy just bought this fucking sick $18 million million house in LA. Everyone was laughing because there was no basketball court. Um, (laughs) He doesn't even have to train and he's going to be able to afford that. So maybe we're the idiots for actually wanting him to do something more. But nonetheless, Giannis doesn't have that work ethic problem. So why is it not happening for him? I don't know. And I'm not saying, like, look, Giannis is a great guy by all accounts. He's a hard worker. He's come from a really tough background. Like, there's no reason to hate on Giannis the person. But if he's not improving, he's not improving. I'm not going to say that it's his fault. I'm just saying that, like, you got to figure Which is something. why that I don't know. We can just assume next year he can come back with this whole renewed approach. I don't I, know. I'm not that, saying we can assume I don't know. that, I, but I, I just think that we have to pump the brakes on who we think of him as a player until he makes some of these mild improvements. Because you talk about Shaq. Shaq, the 
Shaq would put up the same numbers Giannis is putting up here. What, 32-13? Um, it was probably more impressive We had a guy named Kobe Bean Bryant in case things didn't go for well for him. Fine, fine. But but Shaq was also fouling guys out, right? That was his biggest power, was literally just fouling people out. And yeah, he didn't shoot well from the free throw line, but volume was there. And he had good footwork and moves down low. Like Giannis still doesn't have that. Giannis is pain. A lot of his pain points are still starting from the top of the key, Euro stepping his way to the rim. He's got to learn how to work down low as a five, play the five, and work yeah. it down low and play a kick, like a kick out game. Get the double yeah. to come, kick it out. Yeah. I mean, he absolutely has flaws he needs to work on. Uh, and if he wants to do that ISO thing at the top, then he's got to, his handle's got to get way better because it's yep. too easy to stop. And I was actually thinking, like, LeBron is a guy who doesn't like getting fouled at the end of games either. Yeah. But what he has that, Le- that Giannis doesn't have is A, a better jump shot, but B, he's so good at driving through tight spaces despite his size and his strength um, that he doesn't like run into the wall. There is no wall yeah. that you can make for him. He's also an elite path. I mean, there's other skills that he has. That's why the wall wouldn't work. But, you know, but but at the same time, Zion too. Zion is already showing some of these skills early on. Yeah, no, Zion is one of the most like right? softest finishers in the rim. Yeah, and he's also starting with a head of steam. So it's it's do like Giannis's problem is he's just so big. He's lanky, right? Like every movement, like think about the it's, angles. Like yeah, it's super gangly. How much space you take? But I, would you say that there's another top star in the league that has a worse worse number two than Chris Middleton? I have one in mind that I think I mean, you could Embiid. argue is worse. Okay, maybe two in mind. Embiid, yes. That's do you think Yeah, okay. Seth Curry's worse than than Chris <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Dame. Um, I don't know. CJ's kinda of tailed off a little bit. Okay, fine. He fair. has not been good. Fair. There's okay, fine. I was thinking Jokic maybe. Yeah. Murray's also, but Murray's also gotten 50 plus in but, but there's games. the promise of Murray, right? Murray's still so young, he's only getting better. Middleton is who he is. He's only gonna get worse. And he's a 25 and 4 on 50, 40, 90 guys. So it's hard to look at him and say, wait, you, you're telling me this guy's not good. But then that efficiency just he's something a, happens to him in the playoffs. I don't he's get also it. A little he's, slow. he's a little flat footed. He doesn't have a quick twitch. Uh he's not blowing by guys. It's but he has like the Kawhi kind of mid-range pull-up that even when it's contested, it's a good shot for him yeah. type thing. And he's long enough to kind of hit it over anyone, but he's he's not consistent at it. He's, yeah. I feel, look, Giannis or no Giannis, they better win tomorrow night. Like Chris Middleton's got to kind of resurrect game four version or game three version of himself. But if they go down 3-2, headed back to Atlanta, uh, going to be tough. Uh, yeah, I mean, and look, when they were heading into that Brooklyn series, and Brooklyn was fully healthy, right? Uh, all three yep. guys were fully healthy. Yep. Didn't we both think that was going to be a really tight series? Did we not both think it would go six or seven? Yeah. We both gave Milwaukee a lot of credit. So, like, that team was good enough for us to believe in them. We can't just look back at how they perform and now say, I can't believe, you know, Giannis is number two, number three of these guys. Like, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, we've seen these are vets. We know what they're like. <laughs> they just haven't. Yeah, I I will say if Trey plays, then Atlanta should be favored because you can't just be like, oh well, this is Atlanta, not Philly or Brooklyn. I mean, they had the best record in the league since they fired Lloyd Pierce and went to Nate McMillan. They beat New York in five. They beat Philly. They won a game seven in Philadelphia. So whatever we had, whatever perception of this team that existed, they are not that. If Giannis does not play and Trey does play, I don't think it's fair to say Milwaukee should be favored, even at home. Yeah. Well, right now they're favored by two. And I don't know if they're assuming Trey has a good chance of coming back or not, but Milwaukee's Yeah, favorite. I think I'm guessing once he's ruled in or out, that'll move by two to three points in whichever direction. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. So if he if he's ruled out, it'll, it'll be Milwaukee by four five. or five. Yeah. Really quickly on the Hawks. If they really make the fucking NBA Finals, I know what I just said about you can't, You have to forget who they are. I can't forget it. <laughs> They're the freaking Atlanta Hawks. They went 20 and 46 last year. They had like no business doing anything. They were terrible at the start this year. 
and now they're two wins away from the finals. What does this do for the very early legacy race between Luca and Trey? I mean, how funny would this be? It, it'd be the biggest kind of plot twist of all time. Uh, it really would. How fast we turned, like literally three months ago, Trey versus Luca. Um, and you, here's what I'll say like I'll, the asterisk stuff is obviously this championship's weird. There have been so many injured players. But the Hawks have beaten teams that, you know, they play the Knicks, who people thought would give them a good fight. A lot of people did pick the Knicks. They beat the Sixers, who everyone thought they should beat, uh, or the Sixers should beat the Hawks. And then they beat the Bucks. And so if you go through a path like that, forget about all the injuries and maybe it's a little fluky. I respect the hell out of that. Um, and it's not complete fluke. Like That means Trey has something. That means they are building something. And it doesn't mean they're going to go to the finals again next year. But you know it's real. Right? With these four or five seeds, you don't know. Sometimes you just have a good regular season, you get there. But this team has got a good foundation. So I'm impressed no matter what happens, man, with them. Like, I think they've shown a lot. Yeah, I mean, the old adage is always like, you know, take don't take anything for granted. You never count on when it could happen again as it yeah. relates to as it relates to like success in a sports career in this in this situation. No, look no further than Aaron Rodgers, who won a Super Bowl in his third year and has never been back. Yeah, right? third year starting. Excuse me. Um, that has never been more true in an NBA playoffs than this year. You know, other than the Clippers, I would be shocked if any of these teams made a f- the finals next year. Maybe Milwaukee. Milwaukee could. Milwaukee could. could, but a healthy Brooklyn is far and away the them. favorite. You know. Uh, so I guess Milwaukee, fine. And Milwaukee's maybe number two in terms of like likelihood next year. But you know, Phoenix with thirty-seven-year-old Chris Paul, or Atlanta with this young nucleus, they might lose John Collins. Who knows? You got to like be very thankful and very appreciative and very like, okay, we're not here just to win a participation trophy. We have to go win this thing. I think that's the mindset Atlanta's had from day one, which is kind of amazing to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's like Boston when they went to the conference finals really early. I mean, several times. They actually did it several times, but you yeah, have no final trips, though. In, but no final strips. And then now they kind of slipped to a seventh seed. You, Brad Stevens is out. Ainge is out. Like, things can change fast, right? And then all of a sudden you find yourself kind of completely rebuilding the team. I, they still have Tatum and, and Brown, obviously, but it's things change. Yeah, and, and look, they hired Ime Odoka. Great hire, I thought. Long-time assistant. But Fantastic. at the same time it did feel like a bit of like a mini rebuild hire, right? Yeah. First time head coach, young guy. He's going to be learning on the fly. There's a lot to digest in that role, especially in a market like Boston. I'm curious to see what happens to them because they have two dudes who are all-star level, all-NBA level, ready to win now, but not a lot else around them. So Yeah, that the whole roster needs to be retooled, I think. Um, well, they tried with the Horford-Kemba trade, I guess. Well, <laughs> That's a start. Like Marcus Smart, I don't like. I know they yeah, love Marcus Smart. I think Smart, the ship but, has sailed on Marcus Smart. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I, I think, you know, going back to your question about the, the asterisk, like this has been a really fun playoffs, but I think it's just a weird one where there's just, and I don't know what it is. Like I, I'm not going to say the LeBron talk track of it's all because of the shortened season. Because not all these are soft tissue injuries, they're all freak injuries. Yeah. So why is it happening so much? I don't know. Like, this is a problem. What if the NBA, like every year, what if next season, same thing happens? We lose five to six top stars and this is just the norm going forward. Like, what is the, the, what is happening that's different outside of the shortened schedule? Is it just bad luck? Because I have a feeling we can see this again next year. I don't think we're going to ever see a postseason where 80% of the top stars are like healthy. It's weird. Well, I think Chris Ryan was talking about this and I was thinking about it before he mentioned like a while ago as it related to like the Yankees. Cause like, I know a few Yankees fans who are just constantly frustrated that Aaron judge and John Carlos starting Stanton, who are like their two Greek God type sluggers in the middle of their lineup. They're literally always hurt. Right. And it's random shit. Like, Oh, I got an oblique strain. Oh, I got a hamstring pull. Oh, I got like a sprained foot. I'm going to be out for three weeks. Sorry. And, Part of the thought was like, are these guys like too strong? <laughs> are they like too physically like built where they're like their their bodies like wound tight, you know? And Chris Ryan had brought that up, like, I think, in this morning's podcast where he was mentioning like 
the level of physicality, athleticism, like acrobatics in the air, like we're playing at a, in a version of basketball that we haven't really seen before. Um, like, you know, for example, Kawhi's dunk, remember, in, against Utah? No. It was so nonchalant how he was rising up, and all of a sudden it was like one of the best posters we've ever seen. Meanwhile, like, that's used to be like the dunk contest. You would have something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? So, like, I wonder if that has anything to it or if it's truly just bad luck. And a lot of guys are going to get hurt every year. And as much as I hate to say it because you never root for injuries for anyone, you just root that those people getting hurt are not your top marquee players. And that's kind of all you can do. Yeah. I, I just worry that there might be something more systemic at play and may, maybe because guys are more tightly wound. Maybe, I don't know. If they're, what else could it be? The shortened schedule, I guess. Otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, otherwise that the only other option is like, but then they're load managing. They're not practicing, you know, there are ways that they are taking they're resting their body on top outside of it just being a shortened schedule. So I don't know. And, and there are fluke, fluke injuries like you mentioned. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just worry that, you know, I don't know. Well, like you said, they've been really good games, but I think everyone can't help but wonder what those really good games could look like with the top players as well. Dude, can you like? Yeah, that's what I keep like. I I'm happy for the small market teams. I'm happy for all these teams. But can you imagine if we had like LeBron and AD, Kawhi, Embiid, like all these guys still playing? Yeah, KD, Harden. I mean, Embiid never got hurt, but but he, he did get well, hurt. Or meniscus. Yeah. yeah. KD but even, Harden. Durant. But his team got knocked out, right? And same with KD. Like he, no. he didn't get hurt, but his team got knocked out because of injuries. Well, his you team know, got knocked out because of Simmons. Well, yeah, that's true. But you know, and Danny Green was out. Yep. Can't be forgotten. Um, you know, you know, the thing is, to me, it's like I don't have a problem with the small market teams. I just want if those were where the best players play, I just want to see those guys. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we can't act like you know Chris Paul and Paul George or Giannis are from some mid majors. Like they're not playing at Creighton. Like this is still the NBA, and like they're still all NBA MVP caliber players. So. I just, even if it was these four teams or whatever, the fact that we didn't have Kawhi, we have, didn't have CP for two games. Now we're missing Trey. We're Trey missing Giannis. Giannis. Like, so it's like, even when we've gotten to the point of being like, okay, maybe these teams are here somewhat injury related, we still can't get them healthy and through the finish line. <laughs> so that's what's been most frustrating. Yeah. And it's not like Middleton missing a game or Bogdanovich missing a game. It's like the top guys. Uh, yeah, like nobody was crying when DiVincenzo was ruled out for the yeah. playoffs, but it's gotten a lot more gruesome since then. Yeah, so who who do you if today at the end of today where we know the Suns are in the finals and Bucks Hawks are 2-2. Who are you picking to win the finals today without knowing what happens between the Hawks and Bucks? I think I'm going to pick I think I'm going to pick Milwaukee and I'm just going to hope that Giannis like has some regenerative power, which he probably does like Wolverine or something. He misses game five and he's back for game six or the bucks are able to win game five, which gives him an extra day rest just to say, okay, come back for game seven. So I'm going Milwaukee and then he gets a few more days before they start the finals. And then I don't see that Phoenix has an answer for him. Okay, I thought you'd say Suns for sure because I was actually going to say Milwaukee. And I was zagging when I thought most people would expect me to zig, but that, that's why I, I thought I'd be zagging. So I was like, I'm going to say Game Milwaukee. Theory. After it's I actually hawked up, I think what we just did, <laughs> and we both I hawked. Even, I don't even remember what hawked up was. Oh wow, ask Nick Hill. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'd still go Bucks, man. And that's the thing; like the Bucks somehow lose. It's like every stage of the think we still expect them to be good and if they disappoint us again like at that point i want to live in a world where i keep being disappointed by the bucks though so i might just pick them every year until Giannis retires or goes yeah. to a different team but i mean it's not it's not like you they should be good they should be good we don't know anything that's the moral of the story but all right that is a wrap for us we um will come back to you next week i think Based on the schedule, we'll definitely have a finals uh, 
matchup by next week. Yep. Um, and it 100%. may even be game one, uh, depending on if it, I think it would start Tuesday potentially. So, um, so we should have at least, you know, finals preview at the, uh, you know, at the least, but definitely reflecting on the first game if that's taken place by then. But please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, email us. Um, Hope you guys have a great 4th of July weekend, and we will talk to you next week.